Okay. So today I want to talk about a very uh, fundamental idea in Chassidus. It doesn't get enough um, doesn't get enough attention, even though it's really a fundamental thing. Um, Um, question is, everyone has like moments in their life they feel like they want to reboot, they want to restart, they want to change, they want to, they want, they want to. No, everyone has different things. No, there's no human being that doesn't have things in their life that they, they, they don't realize that could be better. And the question is, how do you get the power, the energy, the drive to actually make those changes that they really want to do? So let's look at uh, something this week's Torah portion. This week's Torah portion, we read about the red heifer. And the Torah has this uh, description of the red heifer, how um, they take this cow, which is completely red, which has never been uh, used before, um, to, uh, to uh, the field. It's never had a yoke on its back. Uh, can't have any black hair. And people come and they, they take it and they... they uh, they slaughter it and they uh, mix its ashes with water. And then the ashes are sprinkled on anyone who is, who is impure. And the, uh, the, not, the, the, the reason it's so famous is because of the incomprehensible uh, characteristic that it had. All those who were involved with creating this red cow, creating the ashes, those who slaughtered it, those who gathered it, those who um, burnt it, uh, yeah, the, the, all those people became impure. The person who the ashes were sprinkled upon became pure. And that's why it's in the category of a choyk, the law of Hashem, which is beyond logic and reason. Oh, smacked at the breast. You're, you're just on time. This is the white called a law, which is beyond logic and reason, because it's, it's, um, because we can't understand how, you know, how these both things come together. But the Torah doesn't just describe this law as a law beyond logic and reason. The Torah says about this law, this is the law of the Torah. Now, there are a lot of laws in the Torah. Imagine if you met a non-Jew, and the non-Jew says to you, describe to me your Torah. You probably would do what Hillel did. It's hateful unto you, don't do it to anybody else. You, you probably wouldn't get to the red heifer if you were speaking to him for like years. No, you, you probably wouldn't ever get to that. And yet the Torah says, this is the law of the Torah. Why is it called the law of the Torah? So the Baal Shantif says, the Shalah really says, the Shalah says the Torah really talks to the spiritual, and from the spiritual it alludes to the physical. In other words, the real subject matter of the Torah is spiritual, and it alludes to the physical reality, but the real subject of the Torah is spiritual. So the Vashantav says there's something in this Torah portion that is the power of the entire Torah, which helps you keep the whole entire Torah. And without this law, you can't get the Torah. This law is the law of the Torah. This will propel you above all limitations. This will get you to Torah. And what is, what is this? Um, and that's why the Torah doesn't say this is the law of the cow. This is the law of a pure of purity. The Torah says this is the law of the Torah. So what is the law of the Torah? So it's something which makes you makes you impure. But it makes if you're impure, it makes you pure. So Malshandav says the red cow refers to arrogance. How does it refer to arrogance? Well, let's use Gaiva better. Arrogance is arrogance sounds too goyish. Gaiva, we know what it is. Uh, why is a red cow called gaiva? Because first of all, the word para 
which means cow also means to be fruitful, to grow. Also, also when someone's arrogant, they, you know, they, they blow themselves up. And also uh, red is associated with anger and with arrogance. It says in Tanya that the element of fire, um, the physical element of fire corresponds to arrogance and to, and to anger. So when you're, um, when you're uh, angry, you, 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 you want to like, you, you lift yourself up above someone else who's putting you down. Well, that's the same thing as arrogance. You want to lift yourself up. So that's why the red cow refers to arrogance. So arrogance isn't really a, a good thing. But gaiva, uh, or using these words interchangeably, uh, gaiva, arrogance, isn't a good thing. But if you're impure, you need it. What does it mean if you're impure? If you feel that you can't really approach Hashem because of where you are, uh, you, have to, you, have to, you have to sometimes use something which isn't so holy to get there. You feel that you can't begin to serve Hashem, you need to have this sense of, the sense of arrogance. The, the arrogance is what actually will, will, um, will build you and lift you and allow you to approach Hashem. How so? person says, doesn't really matter to Hashem, you know, I'm learning, I'm davening, I know what I've done, doesn't really matter. <clears throat> you have to answer that. You have to answer this. Shantav says in your first step of serving Hashem, you have to, it's okay, in other words, to say to yourself, I, I need to learn Torah because you know my Torah does matter. Because my learn Torah is going to help me. How is it going to help me? Because I learn Torah and then everyone will say about me that I'm, that I'm, that I'm, that I'm Torah scholar. If I learn Torah, I'm going to get a better shidduch. I'm going to go and turn in yeshiva, and I'll find a better uh, soulmate because everyone will hear that I'm a good student. So it, it's it's a selfish thing, it's an arrogant thing, but but Alshanda says that you to start to serve Hashem, to begin to serve Hashem, you have to you have to have this sense of, of arrogance, the sense of gaiva, and this gaiva it sounds like it's a bad thing. It purifies you, it lifts you, because. When a person says to themselves that they have all kinds of faults and they all kinds of deficiencies, and then uh, they look at themselves and they, and they see only terrible, first of all, it's 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 the not it's it shows ingratitude to Hashem. Hashem gives us all these great things. People think it's people think it's so holy to point to them their flaws and to say how terrible they are. It's ingrateful to Hashem to say Hashem give you all these gifts and you say to Hashem, ah, this, this, I'm, I'm really terrible. I'm really this, this, this I'm really ugly. This is bad. Everything is bad. I'm not really good. So by saying all those things to Hashem, you're 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 being ungrateful, and by saying that you're also you're in danger. The moment you say to yourself that you're worthless, that you're low, you can lose control of yourself. You can lose control easily because it doesn't really matter where you are because you're just low. You're just you're just, just inside. You're you're not, you're not the way the way you're supposed to be. So it doesn't matter what you do. So the gaiva that you have, that you say that 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 what I'm doing no, I have this 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 thing I'm going to learn is going to help me. It's it's, it's matters to this this actually. says this purifies you. This lifts you up. But then the Balshanda says there's a second step. After you've been able to approach Hashem, after you started to serve Hashem, so then you have to start thinking about instead of just thinking about how uh, the 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 selfish reasons of serving Hashem. Which helped you, which which made, which purified you before. Now it's time to, to be more altruistic. Now it's time to think about how how everything comes from Hashem. 
and your whole being comes from Hashem, and and and, and to serve Hashem completely and 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 uh, idealistically, just for the sake of knowing the will of Hashem. But in your first beginning of serving Hashem, you can't be idealistic. You can't be all the circle Hashem wants me to do. It. I have to say to myself, this is valuable for me because I want to do it because this is good for me. That's the first step. And it, this guy purifies you. But the truth is that um, it's not mutually exclusive, meaning it's not that there's humility and then there's gaiva or the gaiva and then there's humility. It's possible that the gaiva and the humility go together. At the same time you're having gaiva, that gaiva itself is a humble kind of gaiva. Um, let's say, for example, a child walks into his father to go somewhere. So the child feels, on the one hand, he feels very slow, very small. He's very little, just one with his dad. On the other, he feels very powerful, feels very strong, because his dad is holding his hands, and they're going together, and they could go. They're going to go do something together, because his dad is to the child is, is the all powerful dad. So the child feels like I'm going with my dad, but this is going to work. So in a, in a similar way, he has to feel that whatever we, that we ha- that we're totally that Hashem relies on us, Hashem gives us, and Hashem entrusts us with 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 capabilities and with talents. And he gives it to us and he believes in us and he and he expects of us that we're going to use what he gives us. So, so, so it's not like that, that um, I'm, I'm just having gaiva because because of of of, of the specific um, I'm feeling better than other people. There are two kinds of gaiva and two kinds of humility. One kind of gaiva could be just a, just a, a little off color thing before you get to the two kinds of gaiva. Mendel Futafas used to talk about his encounter with one older chassid. He asked him, you've been around the world. Tell me how, how Gaiva works. Okay. Guy says, guy walks into show and he wants an aliyah. And he asked the Gabe for an aliyah. And the Gabe says, you can't have an aliyah. It's very taken. So he gets upset. I built a show. I can't have an aliyah. And he screams to Gaiva. The old man tells him, that's not Gaiva. That's okay. It's not so, that's not, that's not, it's Gaiva. It's not, that's okay. It's not really Gaiva. Guy walks into show and he asks for an aliyah and they say, you can't have an aliyah. She doesn't say anything, but she thinks, how could he do this to me? It's not so good, but it's not really Gaiva. You know what Gaiva is? You walk in the show and you think to yourself, they should know <laughs> that they should give me an Ali. That's, that's already not healthy. Anyways, there's two kinds of Gaiva. One kind of Gaiva, I, I, I guess looks thinks I'm, I'm, I'm going off of the Gaiva thing. He thinks he's past that. Let me, let me tell you something. It's I want to tell you something. I want to tell you something. The, the, the Baal Shem Tev says, Everybody has in their life katnos hamoichin. Katnos hamoichin means there's times you feel, wow, this is fantastic. Good God, wow, this is more, it's amazing. Terimits is fantastic. And everyone has times that they're dry. They're dry. So Hashanah says, when you're dry, you need to have the guy. You need to say, this is so valuable. This is so amazing. This is so good for me. You need to have the guy. Now, I know you're very Hasidic. You want to hear the Hasidic version of guy. We'll get there in a second. But just, you should know that Gaiva is purifies you, it lifts you up. And the humility of saying that, that, that I'm worthless and I'm low is dangerous. It's dangerous. So it'll, it'll, it'll derail you. Okay. So there's two kinds of gaiva. One kind of gaiva is I have gaiva and I say that I'm better than you. I am richer than you. I am more handsome than you. I am smarter than you. I am more impressive than you. That's, 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 that's one kind of gaiva. There's another kind of gaiva. It's not that I feel that I'm richer and smarter and more impressive than you. It's that I know. And one second, that kind of guy, when I have that kind of guy, I look down at you and I want to hear compliments. I don't want to hear any criticism. 
I want to hear things that, that lift me up above other, other people. It's about me. I'm looking at me vis-a-vis other people. That, that's, that, that, that's, that's one kind of guy. Another kind of guy is not that I, I'm, I, I'm trying to look at myself better than others. I'm trying to compare myself to others. That's not that. Uh, 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 the, real, the real true guy is you feel that the Abishter is with you, that Hashem is totally with you, and he's, and he's giving you your talents and your situation where you're in, and you're not alone, and he relies on you. He's there with you. And that kind of feeling is an incredible feeling. There's no feeling like that, really. You feel that Abishur is with you and that your, your Hashem is guiding you and you're, he's relying on you and he's giving you. That, that's, that's really the, 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 that, that's, that's the feeling that uh, the gift of Hashem. And, and that feeling is there's such a powerful energy that helps us keep the whole entire Torah. That's why it's called the law of the Torah. There was, um, you heard of Rabbi Somer Laud. He, was, he used to be the chief rabbi of Israel. Um, he and his brother were with their mother when the had to go past Dr. Mengele. And uh, Mengele sent the mother and Yisrael Lau was sent a little child to the gas chambers. But the mother said to her older son, Naftali, Naftali, you could save your brother. So one line from the mother saying, you could save your brother, it changed everything for this boy. He took his brother and he, he put him on his, in, his, in a bag and he put him on his shoulders and he took him and, and, and he, he helped him survive Auschwitz. And if, and if it wouldn't be for, for that one line his mother said to him, that one line, I trust you and I believe in you, he wouldn't be able to do that. It was that one line his mother said, they say about um, Thomas Edison when he was a child. So he, um, he, uh, he, he comes back from school day, one day with an envelope. He shows the envelope to his mother and his mother looks at the envelope and she opens the envelope. And she says, her face lights up. She says, yeah, like a light bulb. She says, she says, the teacher says that you are so, such a genius. You're so smart. They have nothing left to teach you. I have to teach you now because they, they don't know anything else that you don't know. Wow. Yes, you're going to be here and I'm going to teach you myself. So after she, she passed away and after he became the Thomas Edison that gave us the light bulb, he went through his mother's stuff and she, he found that letter. What did the letter say? Your son's hyperactive. He's disturbing other kids. I can't have this kid in my school. I can't have him. Take him home. <laughs> so the mother rewrote the letter in a, in a moment. In a moment. She opened the letter. And in a moment, she rewrote the letter. Think about how valuable that moment was. Think about how val- what that moment did for history. What that moment, what that moment did for him. Besides the fact that it gave us the light bulbs. But you know what? That, 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 that the trust that his mother gave in him lit him up. It lit him up. When someone believes in you, it lights you up. It lifts you, and and when you're lifted up, you're you're able to lift, believe in others as well. So, think about Yitzhak and Esav. Uh, he says that Esav wanted to kill his brother Yaakov. He said, but Esav didn't, you know, even such a terrible person. He was a murderer and many other averes that he is famous for. He said, "I'm going to wait to kill Yaakov. Why will I wait to kill Yaakov? Because my father Yitzhak is still alive. And I'll wait till Yitzhak dies, and then I'll kill Yaakov." One second. What about Rivka? Why is he only waiting for Yitzhak to die? Why is he waiting for Rivka to die? He doesn't care about Rivka. Why doesn't he care about Rivka? Because Rivka knew what kind of Russia he was. Rivka knew what kind of t- a terrible person he was. And so he didn't really, it didn't bother him how Rivka felt. But Yitzhak believed in him. Yitzhak thought he saw in him goodness. And Yitzhak felt that. He didn't want to, he didn't want to hurt Yitzhak. When someone believes in you, it, 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 it thinks you, you are different because someone believes in you. 
There's a famous uh, professor in Israel named Robert Rosen Rosenthal. He did a study on this, this, this class, class of average minds, and he divided the class into three parts, and he told three teachers to take care of three, um, uh, one segment of his class, and each segment he told, they all were, were, were getting the same grades as everybody else, but he told the teachers that this, this class, these guys are the smartest kids in the school. They're, they're, they're all, you know, what's it called, the Mensa, Mensa the IQ thing, the top IQ is Mensa. These guys are, they're, all, they're on top of the world. The other, the other students are kaka kaka, they're okay. These guys are, he told each teacher separately, you know, and, and what happened? The students which were told, he was told that they're, the teacher was told that these students are kaka kaka, they stayed kaka kaka. Students that he told them that they're terrible, they got worse. The students that he said, their men said, their IQ is, they're just brilliant. They all grew that year to a whole new level. It, it was his faith in them that he believed in them that brought them up. So, so, so the, the Zeus Chukas what's the law of the Torah? That Hashem says, you have to believe in yourself. There was Tzadik HaKoyin, famous, famous Tzadik wrote a Sefer, Tzadik HaKoyin, he says, just like you have to believe in Hashem, you have to believe, the second thing you have to believe, after believing in Hashem is, that Hashem believes in you. The same way you believe in Hashem, you have to believe that Hashem believes in you. That's the very first thing you need to have in your mind. The very first step of serving Hashem is, Hashem believes in you. That's, that's, that, that's step one. Rabbi Yena also says something very similar. You know, it, it, it's something that it's, 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 it sounds, you hear it the wrong way and I get it. But, but uh, this is what he says. He says, the very opening to serve Hashem, the very what's the first open to serve Hashem? Open to serve Hashem is that you that you're going upwards. You have to always try to go upwards. In other words, always see yourself in a place of virtue and try to stay in the place of virtue. Try to be in the good place. You have know, are thinking, I want to always bring No one ever said that. No one ever said you have to always be in a place of virtue. Always look at yourself that you're doing good. You, you, you've been to a lot of the Fabrengas are step two. Springs are step two. But uh, <laughs> The step one for bringing, the step one of the for bringing is to, to broaden your horizons and to, and to light yourself up. To light yourself up, you have to say that the Abishter loves me and I am cherished by Hashem. And it matters to Hashem where, where I am. And, and I'm going upwards in my service of Hashem and I want to stay going upwards. I have a friend. I can't say I have a friend because I heard this from someone 20 years ago. I don't remember his name. But I, I, this guy told me he was in the Israeli army. And he went to his rabbi before joining the army. And his rabbi gave him, gave him the following piece of advice before joining the army. He says, always put on your pajamas. <laughs> always put on your pajamas. What was the wisdom of always putting on your pajamas? But he, after being in the army, he realized what he, he was telling him. What, 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 and you join the army, the, ter the terrorist says, a lot of things you don't have to do. A lot of things you're not obligated to do. A lot of things that you're allowed to give in to because you're in the army. You have a bigger responsibility. You're saving lives. He wanted the guy to always feel you're a mensch, you're a person, you're valuable, you matter, you matter. That, that's what he wanted to give my tongue, put on, put on your pajamas, you're a mensch, you matter. Don't, don't go to sleep at night and think that you don't matter. Go to, go, to, go, go to sleep at night and say to yourself that I matter. I'm a human being and I have pajamas and I put them on. Okay, you're not gonna, you're, you're, you're so doesn't like the pajamas. So I'm going to tell you what the Tanzirov. Tanzirov, after World War II, was given permission. Uh, by the American, uh, by, the, by the DP camps, they, they gave him a section to uh, to make a, a tefillah for Yom Kippur, make a, a prayer for Yom Kippur. So make a prayer for Yom Kippur. And, uh, and they get up to Yom Kippur has the al-chait, all the different sins that we've done, right? We say to Hashem, we confess different sins. 
So the guy to the Al-Khait, one guy screams out in front of everybody, says, this Al-Khait isn't relevant to us. What does it say in Al-Khait? For the sin that we've sinned before you, we've disgraced our parents and our teachers. What parents? Hashem's taken away our parents. Because of all the sins that we've sinned before you, disgracing our parents. We don't have parents. What are you talking about? It's not possible. This is not relevant to us. For the sin that we've done, we eat non-kosher. We had to eat non-kosher. It was a mitzvah to eat non-kosher. What kind of what kind of what kind of kind of are we saying? Sanzarov said. I hear your question, and and uh, and I had the same question, and I'll tell you I'll tell you my experience in my and and how, why I say al khait He said that uh, there was one there was one occasion in um, I don't remember the name of the camp it was I'm not sure it was Auschwitz or Birkenau. The uh, the Nazi guards told the Jews that they have to carry these two boulders up up a hill and if they would drop one very heavy boulders they have to, and if they would drop one they have to go through getting they have to start over again and every day they would kill five jews and he said that that he he, he would go to sleep at night and he would pray to god not to wake up the next morning and he couldn't believe that this would ever pass he says i i i, I never thought this would we'd ever get past this he said, I didn't believe in Hashem. I didn't believe in God that, that God could bring us past this, that we could, that we could survive this. I didn't believe that Hashem really would, would, would that we could ever get this, we, we, we ever get out of this. So I've sinned before Hashem. How have I sinned before Hashem? I've sinned before Hashem that I didn't believe in Hashem's, and Hashem is, Hashem really, He is in charge and He can bring us forward. I, I didn't believe He could bring us forward. That's the the Poradum. Poradum is you believe that Hashem can bring you forward. There's a letter to the Rebbe. You see, this you like it. There's a letter to the Rebbe. Ever writes to Sky writes to the Rebbe how he's a Yitzchak. He has no success, and things aren't going so well. So the Rebbe says to him, "Surely you know the first part of the letter. Surely you know the teaching of the Kotzker Rebbe. What's the Kotzker? Uh, I don't think the Rebbe called the Kotzker Rebbe, but it's a famous teaching. I think it is attributed to the Kotzker Rebbe. Kotzker Rebbe says, doesn't we had in the parsha a few weeks ago? The spies come back from Israel, and the spies say, we were like grasshoppers in our eyes, and so were we in their eyes. They were giants, we were like, or tiny. We were like grasshoppers in our eyes, so were we in their eyes. The Kotzker Rebbe said, you know why they looked at us like grasshoppers? Because we, we looked at ourselves like grasshoppers. Look at yourself like a grasshopper, and everyone looks at you like a grasshopper. That's what the Kotzker Rebbe said. The Rebbe said, if Lu Yer Shemaim, if if people who fear the Hashem in general, and it's and it's and if they would realize, if they would think about the incredible um, if they would realize the incredible capabilities that they have, I said, that would take away all the lomas vestadium. That would take away all the concealments of Hashem. Hashem hides himself from us so we don't see Hashem's hand. If they if they would recognize their own they, if they recognize their own capabilities, they would approach things, Rebbe says, with a different kind of courage, a different kind of courage, and that courage would take away all the concealments of godliness, and that would take away some of the kishuims and the actual difficulties. As long as they would just approach that they, hey, we're, just, we're gonna go somewhere, we're gonna go somewhere, that Hashem's gonna take us somewhere, and because we have it, Hashem trusts me. So this is the law of the paraduma. law of the paraduma is that 
that you, in order to serve Hashem, to open your horizons, to light up your neshama, you have to believe in yourself. You have to believe. So it's not it's not really gaiva. It's it's like the, the father holding his child's hand and saying, I, I believe in you. That's not gaiva. You feel that whatever you have comes from Hashem. I, I'll, I'll prove it's not gaiva. Moshe Rabbeinu was the most humble person in the world. How is the most humble person in the world? So as the altar says, you know, he knew, Moshe Rabbeinu said, I, he, Moshe Rabbeinu knew that Hashem gave me all these capabilities. He wasn't, he wasn't, didn't, wasn't that he didn't recognize the capabilities. He knew he had all he, he, incredible talents, capabilities, and a soul, and he was head and shoulders above, above everybody else. What made him, what it made him humble, the true humility is, you realize it's all from the Abisha. You don't have, it's not, it's not by yourself. And that Hashem trusts you and he gives it to you because he wants you to accomplish something. In other words, no matter how low you are, you have to realize that you're always the ambassador of Hashem to this particular situation that you're in. And Hashem wants you to accomplish something. That's the gaiva of the Paraduma, and that's the gaiva that's needed to keep the entire thing. Okay, so I wanted to share today. Any questions, comments? Okay. Azaka Baruch. Sure.